Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, it's me, Sam Baker. And before we go on with the show, I want to tell you about an exciting new initiative coming from The Shift. Many of you have asked how you can support the podcast further and get more Shift into the bargain. Well, now you have the opportunity to do just that by joining The Shift community. You can go to steady.media forward slash The Shift and become a member of The Shift. In return for supporting the podcast, you'll receive exclusive weekly newsletters, community membership and plenty of other perks aimed at bringing us all closer together. That's steady.media forward slash The Shift. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40, created and hosted by me, writer and broadcaster Sam Baker. My guest today is a 42-year-old mum of two on a mission to kick sexual shame into touch. Natalie Lee was just like many of the rest of us, not mad keen on her body, not as familiar with orgasm as she'd like to have been, and by her own admission, a latecomer to masturbation. Hands up if that sounds a bit familiar. And don't worry, no one can see you. That is, until she had her daughters and realised that if she wanted them to grow up free of sexual shame, she needed to sort out her own first. After taking a long, hard look at herself, Natalie started her body and sex positive Instagram account, Style Me Sunday, and took her first semi-naked, this is my body, like it or lump it photo. Now 110,000 followers later, she's shared her own journey to sexual freedom in feeling myself, clues in the name, in the hope it will help you start yours. Let your brain go wild, let your imagination go wild. It's incredible. Just enjoy that, get to know what you like and what you don't like again. Nat joined me in a full and frank, and I mean frank, conversation about finding the confidence to end her marriage, how she overcame self-loathing, sexual experimentation, why it's so important to talk to our children about sex, no matter how much they wish you wouldn't, and why the genes don't fit you, not the other way round. Okay, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Nat. It's lovely to meet you, finally. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you for coming. I'm thrilled you wanted to come on. This is useless for listeners, but tell me anyway, tell me about the picture over your shoulder, because it's really gorgeous. Isn't it? This is a birthday present to me. From you? For me. Oh, not from you as well. From my friends. And now I can't remember what the artist's name is, Caroline something. Yeah, I've coveted it for a very long time. And when I got it, I put it up and I basically had to decorate the whole of the room around the picture. That sounds fair. So that's what I've done. I colour matched it and then the whole room's in green. I've picked out some pink and some orange. Yeah, 
I've just used it as my inspiration for the whole room. And I'd like to bet that that's not something you would have been able to do before you were divorced. That is definitely true. (laughs) That is so true. One of the magnificent things about being single is that I don't have to compromise anymore. I don't have to ask anyone if I want to paint my whole room pink or if I want to swan off to Santorini, which I did last week. Um, oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is, you know, there are so many benefits about getting old. And also there's so many benefits about being single. I'm actually loving it at the moment. You know, I've got more disposable income than I had when I was younger. And I can just do things spontaneously. And it's bloody brilliant. 40 was massive for you, wasn't it? It was a huge turning point. Tell us a bit about that. 40 was huge for me. In a way, I always knew it would be. I knew that 40 was going to really shift things and change things. I didn't want to still be doing the same old things, the same old patterns. I didn't want to be just plodding along. I really knew that when I was 40, I wanted to be living. And in the run up to 40, I dreamt about being single. I dreamt about being able to travel. I dreamt about the life that I have now. And I have absolutely 100% manifested that. I mean, it would have been a real shambles if nothing (laughs) had happened. But, you know, obviously there was that intention there. I knew that I didn't want to be married for quite, you know, quite a few years before I actually found the confidence to speak up. But there was something about turning 40 and I thought, I just can't go into that next decade Hmm. living like this. There was no connection to myself. There was no connection with other people, literally just doing life, but not very successfully in my in my view. You were with your partner 25 years. And when I was researching The Shift, I spoke to loads of women who somewhere in their 40s, like between 40 and 50, either left their long-term partner, were about to leave their long-term partner, or wanted to leave their long-term partner. Why do you think that is? There's lots of reasons. I think for me, you reach an age where traditionally society doesn't really value you. Understatement of the year. (laughs) You almost become invisible. It has its pros and it has its cons. I think one of the major pros about it is that you now have a new sense of freedom that you didn't have before. Before I was so worried about how everyone perceived me because they were always looking at me. I was always getting told how attractive I was or getting whistles and beeps and chatted up on the tube, those kinds of things. That doesn't happen anymore. And it's Bloody fantastic. It really is. You know, at first I was a bit like, oh, no one fancies me anymore. I mean, it's not true, but you know what I mean. Well, no, I was going to say that they're, they're clearly blind. But, you know. <laughs> it's definitely not as overt anymore. You don't, you know, you don't get that 
when you're young, that whistle, you know, men hanging out of the car whistling at you. And I was taken aback at first. I was a bit like, oh. But when that goes, you realise that so much of how you live, my self-esteem and everything was very tied up in that kind of male gaze, that attention. Now I feel a real lightness. I feel like I can dress for myself. I mean, obviously, I always could have before, but something didn't click. I needed that kind of validation. As women, you know, our value and our worth is so tied into how beautiful we are and how attractive we are to the opposite sex. So, yeah, I think as you get older, it just lightens the load and then you feel free to be able to actually connect with your inner self, look within rather than observing people, observing you. And that comes with a new sense of freedom and it's been incredible. You no longer feel like you have to stick to the rules. You know, now Mm. I'm like not shaving my armpits. And I went went to the gym the other day and I live on the borders of Essex, right? So, you know, the women are very well made up. They look beautiful, but very preened and not a hair out of place. I wouldn't last five minutes. (laughs) And I'm in the gym class with my hairy armpits and they're like literally taking their double takes. But I loved it. I was like, you know, fuck it. It really doesn't matter anymore. Whereas before it was really important to me what other people thought. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because like we're brought up, like there's a way to do things and to fit in and belong. And I think that there's this sense that, well, you can have hairy armpits because nobody wants to fuck you anyway, which is like clearly not true. Did you find that once you got divorced, you had more libido? Yes, I think so. I was definitely excited to like get out there and explore. If you're in a long-term relationship, I think most people in long-term relationships can relate that, you know, it becomes either non-existent or fairly routine. You know what to do to get each other off. And there is very little exploration. There's, you know, very little sort of play and curiosity. So I was really excited to play and to explore new things because I felt like I could now. I felt like, oh, a new person, I can like speak about different things and you don't assume so much anymore. So I was really excited about that. However, also coming out of a long-term relationship, it's a security blanket. And I haven't been as gregarious as I thought I would be. The whole dating thing kind Mm. of scares me. I don't really go out partying anymore. So I have joined some apps and I keep like dipping my toe in, then coming back off them. It's a whole minefield and I'm not exactly sure where I stand with it. It's still one of those things that I'm processing quite a lot. However, I am really enjoying exploring my own body and having sex with myself. And that's not to say I haven't had sex with other people. I'm I'm just saying it's not as plentiful as I would have assumed. Definitely. I think the beauty of having the time and the space to really explore that relationship with yourself, having the headspace to fantasize about different things. And, you know, that is really safe. It's really let your 
brain go wild. Let your imagination go wild. It's incredible. Just enjoy that. Get to know what you like and what you don't like again. And then, you know, that will help and enable you to be able to communicate with your partner when you feel ready to. I think one of the things that's most inspiring about your story is so many women will identify with you because you haven't always been as sex positive as you are. You haven't always been as body positive as you are. First of all, can you tell me a bit about your early life and your early sexual experiences? Small question. (laughs) Where do I start? Look, I went to Catholic schools. My mum came from a very strict Irish Catholic family. Sex wasn't something that was openly discussed. In my book, you'll read about the traumatic experience that happened to me and my mum, aged four. And my first boyfriend was a lot older than me. I've since sort of had time to really process that and and look at that in therapy. You know, I think at the time I felt it was fairly normal. But now I look back, you know, my daughter's nearly 13 and I definitely wouldn't be happy with that situation. So you were 13 and he was 20, right? A bit older than 20, yeah. So there was trauma and there was a lot of secrecy around sex. There was a lot of shame Mm. around sex. It was not something that was, you know, spoken about. And the problem with not speaking about things is that you internalize it and you end up thinking that it's your fault or you aren't able to identify when situations aren't appropriate because there's been no conversation about it. You know, so one of my missions is to speak to my children as much as I possibly can about sex and and just to normalize it. I want them to know what the vagina is, what the vulva is, what the clitoris is, especially. <laughs> I want yeah, them- I was going to ask you about that. It's like, when did you first even hear the word clitoris? Because I, I was trying to remember and I, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. And I definitely do know that I didn't know about it in my first sexual experience. I definitely know that. And I think I almost stumbled upon it. (laughs) I I bet that's the case for so many women, you know. It's just like, oh, that felt really good. What is that? What's that thing? (laughs) Whatever it is, I want to do it again and again and again. (laughs) (laughs) So you've told your kids that, yeah? Yeah. Really keeping them informed. Yes. And as much as I can, because obviously they are a bit like, Mum, please stop now. (laughs) They are a bit, because I tell them to explore their own bodies. I give them little quizzes about what different parts are called. And oh, God, you're embarrassing, Mum. So embarrassing. I also often, fairly often, will leave a vibrator in the sink that I haven't finished cleaning and they they come across it. How do they react? They're like, oh, mum, not another vagina massager again. Like, yeah. You know, again, I don't want there to be any shame around that. Self-pleasure is is free. It's something you've got full control over. I will always encourage them to explore and touch their own bodies in the privacy of their own space. I think it's really important, you know, there's nothing bad that can come from that if they're exploring their own bodies in their own terms. The good things that can come out of it is that they learn to have autonomy over their bodies. They learn what they like and what they dislike and they become much more self-assured because it really does impact 
your everyday life, your relationship with your body. And that's a fundamental part for me because I've noticed it since, you know, I've started exploring myself like consciously. My self-esteem has increased. I I now walk. I walk differently. I, I actually know myself better. I understand myself. It has a far reaching effect than we um, than we believe, than we can imagine. You describe yourself as being late to masturbation, which really made me laugh because I reckon so many women will really identify with that. Just what was it that made you go kind of in your early 30s, right? I need to deal with this. I need to kind of have a conversation with myself, if you like. I think it was having children. I think my children were a big turning point for me. I started to question everything because I was seeing everything through fresh eyes again. I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Why am I weighing myself? Why do I think my body is bad because I can't fit into those genes? No, the genes don't fit you. It's not the other way around. <laughs> there was so much that having children brought up for me. It really made me question everything again. I wasn't sort of just walking through life, just doing what everyone else does or what you're told to do anymore. One- was that because you wanted to be a good influence on your daughters or was it because yeah, of some ha- a way that you felt? Yeah, I wanted to be. I wanted to be a good role model. You definitely really start to analyse your role as a mother when you have children. And it started with the body. I guess the catalyst was I felt so incredibly distraught by the changes in my body after I had children that I had to do something about it because I was literally, I felt like I'd been run over by a bulldozer. My body just didn't look the same. When I looked in the mirror, I didn't know who I was. And I actually thought, this is such a weird thing for me to say now. But I was like, no one's ever going to want to fuck me again. No one's ever going to find me attractive again. Obviously, you know, I see the irony of these are the first things that come up for me. It was all about how fuckable I was. And I said to myself, you're never, ever going to wear a bikini ever again in your life because there's no way you could subject other people to that site. Oh, man. So so many women have felt particularly feel that way. I know. And that, like, rock bottom, I think I must have started speaking about it online and, and loads of people really resonated with it. And I was like, we've got to do something about this. This was this was before the whole body positivity movement. This is absolutely bullshit. Ugh, I just couldn't believe how awful I felt and how a lot of women feel. So that was the first thing that sort of like made me sort of question the whole diet culture, the whole not feeling good enough, you know. And one of the ways I wanted to sort of increase my self-esteem I came across like self-pleasure and stuff because before I had a lot of shame attached to self-pleasure I didn't do it if I ever did do it it was very hidden I felt dirty whenever I did I didn't think you know it's like if people only knew what I was doing they'd be disgusted by me it's so weird isn't it it all goes back to the shame that is associated with sex for women from a really young age but it's like when you think about you know masturbation is something that boys talk about at school really young I mean I think I first heard the word wank when I was nine 
I went to the football with my granddad in my dad's seat. My dad couldn't go. And the bloke in the seat in front of us kept saying that the ref was a wanker. And so I was like, granddad, what's a wanker? (laughs) I don't think he told me. But then very soon after that, the boys at school were talking about wanking and telling those, you know, jokes. But that never extends. I mean, maybe it does now, but certainly back in the dark ages. I mean, I didn't know that girls could masturbate. I didn't either. You know, I don't know about you, but little girls do. They do hump things. I certainly yeah. did. But I didn't the know. teddies. Yeah. It really made me laugh. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what it is that you're doing, do you? You just no. like, You right. just know that it feels good. We do it instinctively. And then we realise that, oh no, this is something dirty and shameful. And so then for me, I stopped doing it. And then rediscovered it later on when I was in my 30s. It was definitely my children who sort of spurred me on to really revisit my thought processes around lots of things. It's so interesting, isn't it, that the person that you're describing is still carrying, like most of us, carrying around all that sexual shame and like self-loathing around your body and everything, you know, mirror dodging, which I do all the time, started the Instagram account Style Me Sunday. I mean, how did you get up the courage to post that first like semi-nude picture? What made you do it? How did you make yourself press post? I went through such a monumental life-changing thing by having children and then going through all of the kind of body disgust and outrage and just it it was very significant for me and I I had this platform and I was like if I don't talk about it then we're all just gonna be in this pit of self-disgust and loathing and because I know it's not only it's not only women who have had children who absolutely detest the sight of themselves in a mirror or in photos and you know I'm just so passionate about trying to give women the confidence to say fuck this shit let's start thinking about more important things because how we look and dieting and weighing ourselves and what we're eating and it takes up so much brain space that we're actually not dealing with the important stuff we're so worried about how we look and and I was one of the worst So I really am passionate about getting women to connect to themselves again in a more real way that isn't about how they look on the outside and how they're perceived. Fuck that. It's time we started living for us and it's time we started doing stuff that we're passionate about instead of spending 70 billion hours in the gym and weighing all our food and standing (laughs) on scales. Do you think, does age play any part in that change of attitude? I think, again, it probably does. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier and having less eyes on you now. So it gives you that more sense of freedom. But I think these issues affect women of all ages. And I do think social media has had a really positive effect, negative and positive. But Mm. I do think it's had a positive effect on helping if you want to feel better about yourself. There are lots of accounts you can seek out to encourage that and to give you some tools and to inspire you with keeping your brain on the right sort of path.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's the response the first time that you posted a picture that you would have considered showed you looking less than perfect? I felt absolutely sick. I was hyperventilating as I posted it. Just now it seems so ridiculous. But then as soon as I saw the reaction of everyone coming through, it was it was incredible. And I felt like I could breathe again. I really did. I'd been holding my breath for quite a while and I just felt like I'd found my people, I found my community, I found people who are going through the exact same thing as well. And I remember feeling like this is going to be a thing, this is going to be a movement, this is going to be something important. And the only way I feel like I can make people feel better is by sharing my story and how I got through it, I guess. Hopefully it resonates with some people. And if I make somebody feel better for five minutes of a day, I'm I'm happy about that. Do you feel as comfortable in your body as your Instagram account implies? That is such a good question. Such a good question. I love that. The reason why I love that question is because there are definitely some people who do a similar thing to what I do, who I know don't feel everything that they're posting. For me, I would say it fluctuates. It massively fluctuates. And actually, I'm very honest about those fluctuations. Not only does my body fluctuate, but how I feel about my body fluctuates. My confidence levels change all the time. And sometimes I will say, I haven't posted, you know, a picture of my body without clothes on for a long time because I'm just not feeling good at the moment. I don't feel good in my skin. Maybe my mental health is not great. I don't want to expose myself and put myself out there like that. I will only ever do what feels comfortable and what feels real. The moment I push past my own internal guidance or boundaries, that's when I'm in trouble. That's when I'm in serious trouble because I know that I won't have the tools to be able to deal with the reaction. So you have to be very careful about what you put out and when. And do you get people basically going, put it away? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, every time I do sort of show, you know, the more explicit parts of my body, I would say, uh, I always... (laughs) Sorry, I choked. Yeah, when I do show (laughs) more nudity, I always get a downturn in my followers. Oh, what, they literally drop away? Yeah, they do. But I'm okay with that because it's going to trigger people, right? People who aren't feeling confident and stuff and who aren't ready to go on that journey of feeling better about their bodies. They've got to be ready. I understand that, you know, a middle-aged (laughs) mum showing her bits is going to trigger people. But when you're ready, then you can come back. And and I only want people to be there who are going to get something out of it. I don't want you to be there if you're just going to hate every single thing I do and it's going to make you feel like shit. 
But yeah, I often get sort of like, you know, religious people commenting and saying things, but I don't know them. I don't know them. So it's all right. I'm okay. (laughs) Quite a lot of women actually I've spoken to have said that they find body positivity a bit overwhelming, that it can, you know, in a way it can just be another pressure. On the one hand, you've got people saying, count calories, be thinner, look like you're 25 when you're 45, all of that. On the other hand, you've got, you must love your body. It just becomes like another obligation. Do you think there's some kind of middle way? I've spoken to people who've said, I feel like I can't admit I want to lose seven pounds. I know I'm not allowed to want to lose seven pounds, but I do, you know. Yeah, I hear you. And I think you've just got to take in what you want to take from it. I don't think any sort of accounts are that sort of preachy about it. I think sometimes it can come across like that, especially if you're in a very negative headspace. But I think most people understand that we all live in a society that makes us not feel good enough. I think it's absolutely normal to feel like you need to lose weight and you need to get into a size 10 pair of jeans. I think that's absolutely normal. Don't feel ashamed or bad about it. I know you might not necessarily want to vocalize that, but you've you've just got to take from it what you can, what's useful to you. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it make you feel bad about it. My philosophy is I don't want you to comment on my body. I won't comment on your body. <laughs> And let's just all do what we can to make ourselves feel good physically and mentally. I'm very, very much against fat phobia. So I think it's very important that we see lots of different bodies just being glorious. And that's about it, really. That's all I want to say on that subject. I think, yeah, there's so much information out there that I'm kind of moving on to the kind of stuff that I'm interested in now, which is my sexual journey. You know, but the body stuff started the sexual stuff. And so it's just evolving. And you lot are being brought along for the ride. Yeah. (laughs) Well, lucky us. (laughs) I wanted to ask you a little bit about sexual fluidity post-divorce, because one of the things, again, that struck me when I was talking to the women who had left their husbands or wanted to leave their partners, male or female, but particularly heterosexual women who did leave in their 40s, is that sexual fluidity was you know, it was not uncommon. It was like not a majority, but not an insignificant minority of women were like, I had my first sexual experience with a woman when I left my my husband. For some, that had been something they'd always felt was in the back of their minds. But for others, it was like completely out of the blue. And quite a few of them were actually in relationships with women. You know, I know that your first sexual experience was with a woman. Did that come out of the blue for you? Or was that something that had been in the back of your head? No, I always knew that I wanted to have a connection with a woman. I was always attracted to women. I've always been attracted to women and men, but I was in a long-term relationship. I wasn't able to explore it. So I guess that was the beauty. That was something that was wonderful. You know, when you're in a heterosexual relationship, I never felt able to say that I was bisexual or pansexual. I class myself as pansexual because I'm just attracted to humans. I don't Mm. really give a shit about what genitals they've got. So yeah, when you're in such a long-term heterosexual relationship, I couldn't identify with my sort of queer side. And I find now that I'm not, I can explore, I can be open about it, I can be fluid about it. 
And that's exciting and energizing. And I think also weirdly, after coming out of such a long term relationship, connecting with a woman felt safer. Interesting. I really wanted, needed that strong connection, that kind of, I don't know how to explain it. For me, when I was with a woman, it felt like I was coming home and it just felt so beautiful and magical and almost spiritual. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get too like. Not going to go woo woo on me. I'm not going (laughs) to romanticize it too much in case I like end up turning all the heterosexual women listening to this. (laughs) There'll be too much competition. (laughs) But it was like, I think Glennon Doyle, she describes it like wrapping a warm blanket around you. It's just so comforting and homely. And it was exactly what I needed because I had that disconnection for so long that I needed to be with somebody who would look up at the stars with me, who would like to watch sunsets and who wanted to get deep and just that real, real like deep intimacy. And that's what it provided and that's what it does provide. Um, I have absolutely no idea who my next victim's going to (laughs) be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be with a man or a woman next or if I'm just going to stay single. But it's it's exciting. I also really don't care. When I was younger, you know, heterosexuality was, it was given to me. It was like, here you go. This is what you do. This is your path. I really wish I had the buffet in front of me rather than the narrow path. And they could say, do you know what? You get to pick or you get to explore whoever you like. That would have been bloody lovely. I really wish I had that. Yeah, I wonder if that's one of the reasons. It's like women of, I mean, you're younger than me, but women of my generation and your generation who didn't have that, you can be who you want to be when they were 18 or 15 or 25, reaching a point in their lives where that has become possible, partly because of the different attitude of like, younger people but also maybe because of their societal obligations if you like are shifting a bit and they're kind of snacking to continue with your buffet analogy (laughs) (laughs) but I was thinking about I mean a friend of mine uh who's in a she's not heterosexual she's obviously bisexual and she's in a relationship she's married with a couple of children she's in her 40s and she told her parents that she's bi and they just absolutely refused to countenance it and it's it's so interesting because like we might be changing but our parents or some people's parents won't be they'll still be the same I don't know they will it struck me as really interesting and I think what we're realizing now is that we don't have to live for anyone else Although it would be lovely to have the support of your friends and your family, actually what's more important is about connecting to yourself and living a life that makes you happy. Because for far too long we've been doing life how everyone else wants it to be for us. So that of getting older is we're rediscovering ourselves again. We haven't been, you know, handed over the baton. We're actually dropping the baton and saying, I'm running the opposite way. (laughs) 
Totally. Are you feeling like you're going to be age positive? Oh, so I have talked about this a bit online. I hate this fascination with youth and how, Mm. you know, you're redundant as soon as you start to get wrinkles and look a bit older. I'm loving getting older. You know, I've said this. I'm really loving getting older. So So I'm really trying to embrace everything that comes in with getting older. I have tried Botox once. I also talked about that online. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I do look a bit better. It took away a little line that was in between my eyes. But actually, not enough to spend a good couple of hundred pounds every few months on it. Mm. and also I feel like if you have it one place then it kind of moves and makes something else look a bit odd I quite like my face at the start when you start to get wrinkles I was a bit judgmental over them and a bit sort of critical but now I'm really starting to embrace them and sit with them and more days than not I'm loving going out of the house with no makeup on I really do feel like my face looks better without makeup now I'm getting older It really does. And so that's nice. That's really nice. I think it's just the transitional stage, you know. Anytime anything sort of changes, there's that initial, oh. Totally, yeah. I'm really not sure about that. And then you settle into it. And I'm really fucking settling into this getting older and embracing wrinkles. And yeah, so um, I really hope so because... There's fuck all I can do about it if, you know, (laughs) I can't get younger. So the only thing I can do is embrace it. I can get surgery. I can get Botox, but the pool is not big enough for me to embrace it. And has menopause even entered your head yet? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because my mum got it around the same age as I am now. Oh, right. So I am a little bit concerned about that. Not concerned enough to have done enough research on it yet. (laughs) (laughs) I really... I really feel like I want to be prepared. But you know, when it hasn't happened yet, there's always something else that gets in the way. But yeah, I think I really should do some research on the menopause unless there's any wisdom you want to impart on me. I'll send you a good book. Give me your address afterwards. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I just want to ask you one more question before I ask you the questions that I always ask. And one, one of the things I was thinking, I think there are probably more older women and when I say older women I don't mean old I just mean not 30 who are probably still as out of touch and ill-informed sexually as they were at 14 or 15 so what advice would you give them for kind of like getting back in touch or just starting that journey I hate the word journey but it is what it is isn't it at 45 50 60 beyond I would say, I think for me, I used to be too scared to like buy a sex toy or something like that. I used to be scared about speaking and voicing, you know, some of my fantasies and things like that. I think I'm not going to be here that long. You might as well enjoy your time here. You might as well explore your body. Find out all of the pleasurable, beautiful, magical things that you can do on your own with your own body. You don't even need to buy a sex toy. You can just use your hands. But just just fall back in love with it again by exploring it, by looking at it, by touching it, by licking it, by biting it. Do it all. And then if there's certain things you want to try, maybe you fancy trying a vibrator, just do it. 
just do it because you know no one's telling you what to do and what not to do anymore this is your time this is your time to really live out those those question marks those fantasies and explore it in all its glory and just just have fun do you think 30 year old Nat could have imagined this is where 42 year old Nat would be I never used to think about the future when I was younger the future scared me I felt like I could only deal with the present. I was only managing to just keep my head above the water. I think 30-year-old me would be so fucking happy. She would be so, so proud. And, um, yeah, I just want to tell her that it's going to be okay. It will get better. Things are going to be good again. You're going to connect to yourself and to others and have really deep, beautiful connections and... Yeah, it felt like a bit of a shell. I was just a bit of a shell sort of walking through life, just doing what needed to be done before. And now I can actually indulge in the beauty of life. So should be should be really proud. Brilliant. Right. What's your emotional age? Well, I definitely don't feel 41, that's for sure. I would say I feel about 31, 29, maybe around there. But you weren't happy then. I wasn't happy then. It's almost like I wasn't living then. So let's take out the last 10 years yeah. and just like erase it. And then now I feel like I'm actually starting to live now. And that's my age. I don't care about about my age. I guess when I was younger and I thought of a 40-year-old, I always used to think about how old somebody who was 40 is and would feel. And I don't feel like that. So maybe my expectations of how I would feel at this age are wrong. But I, I just feel, I feel young. I feel alive. I feel happy and I feel excited. But I also feel really calm and at peace. And that's bloody attractive I don't oh want God, so like, much all the excitement and all the drama and all of that anymore I want peace and I want calm and I want magic that's it not much then <laughs> <laughs> give us a book recommendation it can be something that you've always loved or it can be something you read recently that you really rate if you haven't read this book how to do the work Oh, you mentioned that in the book by Dr. Nicole LaPera. Yeah, I'm Pera. reading it again. It's absolutely bloody brilliant. It's all about trauma, changing patterns, healing from the past and those kinds of things. But really, really useful. It's not too instructional, not too sort of psychoanalytical. It really works. It looks quite fat. It is, but it's easy. <laughs> Yes, it's not no. one of those books that when you pick it up, you're like, oh, no. this is going to be like homework. No, it's not, actually. She's very relatable and talks about her own story. It's really good. Right. What advice would you give younger women? <sighs> I would say don't ever pluck your eyebrows, first thing, <laughs> because they don't grow back properly and it's really annoying. I would say stop trying to fit in. You don't need to bend. You don't need to make yourself smaller. You don't need to try and get yourselves into all these different shapes that don't necessarily fit. So stop trying to shape shift in order to be accepted because people will accept you for who you are. They really will. And if they don't, then you move away from them. That's the key thing, isn't it? 
Don't keep trying to please the people who don't accept you. It's a real hard one, Mm. especially if those people are, you know, very fundamental people to your life. It's really difficult Mm. to move away and not want their validation and their unconditional love. But sometimes you just got to know that you're never going to change other people. It's not your job. Who's your old bird role model? Maybe my therapist. She wouldn't, she wouldn't like me calling her an old bird. But she no, is, it's a compliment. Let's rehabilitate it. Exactly, exactly. She, she is slightly older than me and she has really enabled me to reparent myself and taught me some incredible lessons, lessons that I'm just forever grateful for. What's your superpower? I would say empathy. It can be a curse and a power. can be quite overwhelming sometimes, but um, I'm really good at understanding when people are going through tough times and seeing it before they've even told me there's anything wrong. I'm very, very in tune and very aware of everyone else's emotions. And yeah, that can be quite tiring for me, but it also enables me to connect deeply with my friends and some and sometimes they they feel like I'm one of the only safe places or spaces that they have to go so that's nice I have put a lot of work into my friendships in the last couple of years because my community means the world to me and lastly how many fucks do you give (laughs) absolutely none (laughs) I love that that is brilliant Thanks, Nat. That's brilliant. Oh, Sam, I had a great time. That was a really, really lovely chat. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and follow because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like to support The Shift further, please consider becoming a member of our community. Find out more at steady.media forward slash the shift. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>